Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Hey, welcome back. So we're going to pick up where we left off yesterday, and the topic is your fourth quarter plan. I'm not going to go into a long uh, conversation with you about why it's important that you are working on your fourth quarter plan now, but here I'll bottom line it for you. Um, I want you to imagine, we're going to do a little mental uh, exercise here, it won't take long, that we are all at, say, for example, February of 2019. Uh, let's push it forward. Let's say March 1st of 2019. And we're looking back and I want you to imagine what you wish you would have been doing differently now, this time of year. I want you to actually write down, or if you're driving, or running, or whatever you are, um, you're thinking back, these are the things I wish I would have done differently. And I'm going to tell you the things you wish you would have done differently, because I've heard this a gazillion times. Number one, you wish you would have coasted in the fourth quarter. You wish you wouldn't have taken so much time off in the fourth quarter. You wish you would have basically had specific goals designed around not buyers, but listings. You're, you wish you would have spoiled your best centers of influence in past clients, or at the very least, sent everyone a nice uh, card, like using sendoutcards.com or something like that, which is basically about as painless as you can possibly get for doing uh, cards. But yes, we are not advocates of spending money on marketing. You guys know that, but we are advocates of on uh, spoiling your centers of influence and past clients. Um, you know, gifts for the best 25 maybe, things like that. You decide. What else would you wish you would have done differently? So you're definitely going to wish you would have uh, had your listing presentation organized, your pre-listing pack done. You definitely would have wished you would have um, had your business plan done. These are all the things that we're talking about when we're talking about what we're talking about today and yesterday. We want you guys not just to roll in to the new year with a whimper. We want you to roll in with as much momentum as you possibly can have. Because remember, ultimately, and this is a hard thing for anybody in any business, everyone is basically conditioned to think in terms of 30-day cycles. It's like it's almost a, a plague that everyone wants this instant results type of thing. But the way you really win in life in general is don't you, yes, have to look to see what you're, you know, what's right in front of you, your next step, but at the same time, you have to have your other eye on the horizon. You've heard this before. It's common sense, isn't it? But what everyone does is they just focus on their immediate needs and immediate gratification. That's the reason so many tech companies, and you know, specifically tech companies, have crept up during this last boom phase of the housing market to sell you guys crap that most times you don't really need and that's designed to essentially placate your desire to be lazy, to hit the easy button. If you're long-time listeners, you know what I'm talking about. You know this is true. This time of year... The leads that you generate, the conversations that you start that will eventually lead to a listing, it's very soon, about another month, October-ish, where you're not going to be having those folks do business with you starting this year, but they're going to wait till the spring. 
look, we have lots of objection handlers for we are going to hold the house off the market until next year, or I'm going to wait until buy something until next spring, or whatever, whatever. We have lots and lots and lots of objection handlers. But the reality of it is, is that most people do not want to do a real estate transaction over the holidays. It just makes sense. Moving sucks. Unless they're really, really motivated, or they're an investor, the house is vacant. Obviously, there are exceptions, and I'm not suggesting you stop working. Matter of fact, I'll go as far as to say, Fourth quarter is the best time of year to work because so many other agents stop working. And, yes, there are fewer people that will want to do a transaction, but the people that do want to do a transaction are more motivated. One of the things that Julie and I used to do is we would – sometimes if we had a listing that was not necessarily you know, the greatest listing ever – and the seller was flexible, and when they wanted to have it sell, uh, sell we tell them to wait till fourth quarter because as the inventory starts to be taken off the market, because all these agents are telling their sellers to wait until the spring, or the sellers are just saying, "I don't want to deal with showings during the holidays." Well, we would put some of our, you know, less desirable listings for sale, and they would sell because the buyers had fewer things to choose from. Kind of counterintuitive, but there you go. So the moral of the story, of what I'm trying to tell you is, know the cycles of how long it takes for you to go from conversation to paycheck. You know, from it, 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 it's not a month. Some markets you guys have been spoiled for a long time. Those days are over. It's going to be six months, four months in most markets. So what you, the conversation you have today with a prospective seller, you know, by the way, Mr. Seller, who do you know in this market that I should be helping sell the house? Well, it turns out my neighbor. Whether you call the neighbor up, the neighbor's sick. Yes, we just had our, you know, fourth kid, and the house is a three-bedroom, and. Whatever the situation is, well, that's the start of a conversation that will probably result in a, uh, you know, an early 2019 listing and probably double transactions, if not more than that, if you are able to sell their listing yourself, that sort of thing. Those are the thoughts you need to be having this time of year. Be very, very mindful of your natural and normal desire to essentially ratchet it back a year and take a couple logs off the fire. I promise you, you will regret that in the spring. As I shared with you guys yesterday, one of the greatest – we learned this from a Howard Britton person, too. One of the greatest little secrets we learned was, um, and this is after we've been in the business for two years, was the way to mentally think about your business so that you have the best uh, you know, financial outcome is to think of your new year starting at the beginning of fourth quarter of the previous year. Now, we are starting you at fourth quarter plus a month of the previous year in preparation for next year, again, because we're anticipating some more significant economic headwinds coming your way. So take these things seriously. That way, when you are March 1st of 2019, and I ask you the question, what would you have, re- what would you have done differently? Uh, you say, for example, today, September 5th of 2018, what would you have done differently? And I'm asking you this question of basically seven months from now, six months from now. You're going to say nothing. I had my shit together. I was drilled down. I was after sellers. I was listing. I was generating leads. And all the people that said they wanted to wait until the spring, I was smart, and I asked them, okay, I appreciate that, Mr. Seller. You know, if you have the flexibility, I appreciate the fact you want to wait until the spring. By the way, what does spring mean to you? So you weren't just saying spring, oh, that must mean April in your mind. You were asking the seller what that meant. And then you say to the seller, Mr. Seller, I'm going to keep in contact with you and let you know what's going on in the market. And then you put in your calendar that you're going to contact that seller that's going to be your spring lead. You're going to contact them at least once a month. You're going to treat them like a future listing. You're not just going to forget about them and call them in six months later. How many of you have done that? Dumb, dumb, dumb. You'll lose the business. All it's going to take is someone being more urgent than you. I could tell a little confessional story, Julie, should I? <laughs> I know exactly. I'm reading your mind, and I think it's important <laughs> so, that they know we've walked in their shoes, and we're not just saying this stuff. It's because 
back in the day before coaching existed and before podcasts existed, you had to learn this crap out on your own the hard way, which we did. Yeah. So I think you Put should share it. We can confess. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Keep the mic keep the mic closer to your mouth, sister. It's hard it was hard gotcha. to hear you for a second. Oh, yeah, you're sound a lot better. Okay, so I I will fillet myself for the sake of all your li- <laughs> all of you listening so you don't have to make my same mistake. True story. So Julie and I are living at 7334 Berkeley Square South in New Albany, Ohio. Um, this was a big brick Georgian house surrounded by other big brick Georgian houses surround and this was in one of the probably I think at the time it was one of the best overall neighborhoods uh, in the in the country. It won like the best country club, but it just I promise you guys, if you ever have a chance to drive through Central Ohio, do yourself a favor and drive out and drive through New Albany Country Club. You will not freaking believe how gorgeous that area is. Julie and I were out there just a few months ago, um, and uh, man, it's matured and it's just like you have got to be kidding. I guess that's what happens when a billionaire, in this case, a guy named Wes Wexner, decides that he wants to play with his own Legos and build his own community. <laughs> it was so. It's it just go- anyway. So Julie and I fought like hell to get traction in this marketplace, and for a while we were the number one uh, agents in that marketplace. So remember, Julie and I started out by selling cheap houses on the other end of town. Our average sale price when we started out in the business was probably like 120 130 and we moved to a marketplace where the average sale price was uh, around a million. And we did that all within our first like six or seven years of being in real estate. By the way, you can do the same thing, so don't think you're pigeonholed to wherever you are. This, in this area of town, we knew nobody. We didn't grow up with any of these people. This, we were surrounded by people that were, I mean, different religion than us. They were, we were surrounded by people that had gone to private schools. Their idea of August was to take the summer off, or take August off and go to Italy or France. I mean, it was a completely different solar system than the one that Julie and I lived in. And we went out there and we found out that the sellers loved us because we didn't take off for the middle of the summer. We didn't take their business for granted. We worked like hell to basically get their, you know, all that rest of it. They liked our work ethic because they could see we were grinders. But so we worked like hell to get traction in this particular marketplace, and we did. And we had um, we sold like three houses just in our surrounding you know neighborhoods. Um, I think all three were double end listings. They were listing houses that we listed and we sold to these reload buyers. We you know the whole thing. It was a great business for us. Um, all three of these guys, uh, none of them, they, did, they didn't work at the same companies, but this area was very transient, a lot of executive relocation. And all three of them had told me, like, this time of year that we're going to be putting our houses in the market in the spring because we're taking new assignments or getting transferred or whatever. And Julie and I knew these people socially. We were friends with them. We got to dinner with some of them, not to the point where we're seeing them every day. But, you know, it was, it was more of a friendly-type relationship. Well, remember, they told me, Tim, Julie, we're going to be putting our house in the market in the spring. Um, make sure you, you know, check in with us. Okay, well, we took their business for granted. Now, we did drop them off gifts for Christmas, probably. We did do those types of things. But we didn't aggressively follow up on the listings. And come spring, and it does to this day, and this was, what, 15 years ago? It was forever ago. To this day, it still pains me to tell you what happened. In the spring, I saw all three of those listings come up. And all three of them had the same realtor sign in the front yard, and it wasn't ours. And what had happened was, is these guys, all three of them went to some lady who just got her real estate license, who also lived in the neighborhood. I didn't know her. She just moved there. She had a really nice Christmas party. She asked for the business when she found out they wanted to put the houses for sale, and they listed them with her. Now, that felt to me like a personal insult, right? And that's what my ego told me. Oh, they must have, you must have made them mad, or there must have been something else going on, or whatever. 
But the reality of it was is none of those things were true. What had happened was I called up um, two of them, and I said, what the heck happened? And they said, well, when you didn't follow up, we just assumed that you were too busy, and that was the reason you didn't follow up with us. Because we see your signs everywhere, and we just figured that you were too busy and you didn't want to list our house. You were focused on other commercial developments or wherever the hell I was doing at the time. You know, by I, I mean we, obviously, our, our group. And and uh, that was a big slap in the face because that reminded me or it, it drilled down in me that I can never take the business for granted and that I have to make sure I'm following up aggressively with every single person or the message I'm sending them inadvertently is that I'm not interested. But really what the message I'm sending to them really in retrospect was that I'm lazy and I'm disorganized. So you have to be thinking in terms of the cycle. And this in this market that I'm describing for you, it took three to four, sometimes six months to get property sold. Now in that same market, it takes over a year. This is central Ohio. This is where Julie and I sold real estate. It just had long days in the market. Over a million in that particular market, now it takes like two or three years. Why am I telling you all this? Because you have to remember that the cycle from conversation to paycheck in a changing market like what we're experiencing now, what Julie and I are calling phase two of the real estate reset, it can last a year because sellers are in denial, agents are in denial, occasionally you get contradictory information. There's an aberration sale, something that sells in two days and everyone gets overconfident. All these types of things happen in phase two. So your communication and staying on top of your leads is so critically important that if you forget that, you're going to be experiencing the same pain that I experienced. And obviously I still have mental scars from that experience to this day. Don't make my mistake, as, a, as Julie was alluding to. Um, you know, a wise man learns from his mistakes. A brilliant man learns from the mistakes of others. Be the brilliant man. Don't be me. <laughs> there you go, Julie. <laughs> yeah, but we learned from it. The main thing is we didn't continue to operate in the same way. And yeah. it always makes me laugh to remember coaching back then was our broker, Rory, saying, what'd that cost you? And we'd say whatever commission it cost us. And he'd go, well, guess you won't do that again. Then he'd storm off. Click. <laughs> Hang up the phone. Okay. That's what you do. Yeah, that's yeah, the hard way. That was funny. So, well, that, that, what more was there to say? What that one? What that one cost you? Uh, well, Roy, I mean, probably on those three transactions, we lost probably about hundred grand. Won't do that again. Click. <laughs> I know. So true, though. But yes, some of the lessons are more painful than others. It's true. All right. So yesterday. We were talking about how it may appear that you have 120 days roughly left in the year if you just look at your wall calendar. But in fact, when you take out weekends, holidays, travel, family stuff, Christmas, New Year's, you know, et cetera, you probably realistically have 65 to 75 days of actual work where you can be dedicated to helping people buy and sell real estate, not 120. So that's why we are drilling down a little bit early this year seeing that the market is changing on you a bit. And Tim, to your point, I think really one of the things that they should be doing is looking at their current pendings and asking themselves, just to prove it to themselves, exactly what you said, what cycle of that lead until that was a commission check? Look at your current pendings. When was the first time you talked to that person? There was a story yesterday we shared from Facebook, one of our premier coaching members just listed and sold it for sale by owner. They had been following up for six months with that for sale. Julie, are you there? But you have to have the accumulation effect where you're going to have some like that. Some of them might pop right away, some of them 90 days, but you can't drop the ball and not follow up. So we're getting in front of this, going into fourth quarter, knowing that that's when the lazy begins for many agents so that you don't look back and think woulda, coulda, shoulda. You go, oh, 
thank you, past Tim, for having it together. Thank you, past fill in your name for having your business plan, doing your lead follow-up, and having your listings in the pipeline. So if you missed the first four points, listen to, to yesterday's podcast. Point number five, expect to hear holiday objections earlier than you think. Be ready with fourth quarter is relocation time of year. Don't miss out on the most motivated buyers. That's point A. Point B, you have less competition going into the holidays. C, your home looks the best. Fewer but better listings. You can control the showing activity to minimize inconvenience. Some of them will be all, I want to take it off the market, take a break, because I want it to be inconvenienced during the holidays. Well, we used to deal with that all the time. Um, and really what you have to talk about is you can control the showings. I'm going to make sure you don't have showings on Christmas Eve or on you know, uh, November 15th when you have your pre-Thanksgiving party for your neighborhood. We can control the showings versus taking a break because you're probably going to have less competition and get a better price. Well, I don't want to move during the holidays. We'll take care of your closing dates and make sure they work for you and your family. Probably whoever's going to buy your house doesn't want to move during the holidays either. So expect those holiday objections. We're going to be doing more work on that in Premier Coaching and making sure that they know where the scripts are for that and that they've got it printed out on their wall so they can be ready to rumble. Point number six, expect some of your listings to want to take a break. Use the same objection handlers as what we just talked about. They'll have more competition if they wait until after the holidays, till the spring market, etc. So don't take that for an answer unless there's a real good reason for it. Point number seven, accept and embrace that what you do fourth quarter largely determines your success in first quarter. And I would say, and I think you'd agree with this, Tim, how they do first quarter largely determines how the year goes. So if fourth quarter affects first quarter and first quarter is an early indicator how your year is going to go, that's another reason to get cracking right now. We know for a fact that uh, this is the case. We see it with coaching clients all the time. In other words, blowing off fourth quarter could trash your entire next year by slowing you down, getting you off track, keeping you in this state of being behind all the time. So now's your opportunity to not mess that up. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? No, not really. I mean, the bottom line is, guys, is you're going to have to be thinking in terms of uh, the fact that we are walking in some headwinds. I mean, it's the old, you know, scouts thing, right? Hope for the worst. Be prepared. Hope for the hope for the worst. Hope for the best. Be prepared for the worst. And um, there's a lot of really crazy economic things that are starting to pop up, and a lot of smart people are saying now it's with the same. It's worth more drill down that they're saying what we've been saying for the last really 18 months, 24 months is when we first started seeing weakness in the housing market. But now you're getting a lot of these guys that are economists and whatnot, and they're starting to see similar but not the same economic factors that led to the last housing crash. So with saying that, I don't think, and nobody's really speculating that there's going to be a housing crash, but I want to tell you guys that no one thought there was going to be a housing crash last time either. So don't just assume uh, – the industry as in general does not like to tell agents bad news because it does not know how as broke – you know, by it, I mean the industry in general – is predicated based on agents being optimistic. <laughs> and um, once agents start feeling a little bit more cautious and pessimistic or weary, then they stop selling. And then they stop buying you know, CRMs, and they stop buying leads. And they, so you're going to see more and more industry uh, you know, cheerleaders coming out with reasons why there will never be a significant housing slowdown again and how it's all unicorns and rainbows. Um, that's what happened back 
in 2006 and 2007. The exact same pattern is starting to emerge again, but the pieces on the board are different. Hold on, Tim. There is no subprime this and there is no the other thing that. Well, you're right, but it does not mean there cannot be a housing correction. A lot of people think that housing corrections and you know booms and bust cycles are a natural side effect of um, you know a modern uh, economy like what we have. And I'm not so sure if that's true or not, because when we were growing up, a lot of you guys were growing up, real estate wasn't seen – it was seen as an asset, but it was not seen as something that you could make money on. It wasn't like you know, buying, a, buying something speculatively. You were buying it to live in. In most parts of the country, that's still what real estate is. So be careful. This is a side note for all of you. Be careful when you're selling real estate in a market like this. If you start saying, if you start trying to scarcity sell, which is the only thing that most of you know how to do, if you don't buy this, somebody else will, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you're going to not close transactions because people are going to have so much counter information to what you're saying, they're just not going to trust you. So they're going to be reading newspaper headlines, and they're going to be reading this, this and the other things, and hearing what people – just all the types of conversations that happen when the uh, housing market resets. And if you're still left there standing, you know, saying the same bullshit you were saying during a hot seller's market, you're going to go out of business because you didn't update your skills. So what you need to realize is that people will still do real estate transactions no matter what direction the market's going. The reasons why they do real estate transactions will change. But if you look at the total volume of real estate transactions that happen, even in a really, really bad housing market, it doesn't decrease that much. But the people doing the transactions, the practitioners, you guys, that does change. So the most agents right now have never in the industry listing right now 137,000 of you yesterday. Most of you have never experienced a normal market where there's a, you know, you can look, there's a lot of people that are kind of just trying to overanalyze what the difference between a seller's market and a buyer's market is. Here's the real difference. You know that whether you're in a seller's market or buyer's market, you can feel it. When you see hear buyers basically becoming gun-shy because they're worried that they're going to overpay or they're worried about interest rates, they're worried about just doesn't matter what, and you hear sellers that are starting to go from being cocky and overconfident and aspirational as far as their pricing goes to being a little bit weary and nervous and scared and willing to do whatever repairs you suggest they do and not being such jerks when they get offers and not hardballing people on home inspections. Those, that's your, all the real indication you need. You don't need somebody to come out with a 47-page economic report telling, with a bunch of graphs. You know, stop looking for that analytical information all the time to validate whether you are whether what you're seeing and feeling is accurate what you're seeing and feeling is accurate so trust your own experience and intuition if you're new in the business if you're new in any business for that matter it doesn't matter you still are direct you're in communication with sellers and buyers you're communication communication with other real estate folks mortgage folks title folks i've been hearing from people all over the country and it's definitely the, the upper end is not the place to be right now that's for sure but the upper end, anyone who is servicing the upper end exclusively, the nature of their business has totally changed, and it's going to continue to get worse. If you're in a mortgage business, you're an ancillary, you know, a parallel business that deals with high end, you're going to be experienced. It's real estate related. You know what? You better shift. You better get your act together, and you better think about having conversations with folks about, you know, the problem with the upper end is they don't always have to sell. They can just wait on the sidelines for the next economic cycle to begin. That's what a lot of them did last time. That's what we counseled a lot of our upper end clients to do, start leasing those luxury houses and wait the three to five years for the market to shift. They did, and they kept the listings. That's what a lot of you guys are going to have to do now. You're going to have, the upper ends, you guys are going to have to completely re-educate yourself 
as far as your approach to sellers. And if again, if you're just selling off scarcity, if you're just selling off, uh, you know, you better get on this now, be, otherwise whatever, whatever, you're not going to be doing deals because people are going to become smarter. This consumers, sellers and buyers, sellers specifically is what we focus on. They're going to be wise to what you're doing, and they're not going to want to do business with you. The people that they want to do business with are the people that are walking there, tell them the truth. Listen, Mr. Seller, the fact is, is that we're in a different market cycle now. And you, can, you guys, we did that phase of the real estate reset for your benefit so you could explain it to sellers. So use that content. We're in what's called a phase two or phase three market seller, Mr. Seller. And this, these are the, this is what happens in a phase two or phase three market. And this is what I'm hearing from buyers. So based on your time frame, and you're saying you want to have this property sold in the next six months, and then you get into a pricing conversation. And we have tons of scripts on our website helping you guys have real solid pricing conversations. You did not really have to have pricing conversations in a seller's market because for the most part, the stuff sold itself. You have never developed the skill set to know how to pro properly price something, let alone get the price down. Proper pricing, guys is an art form. Knowing what to say and how to explain it to a seller in such a way that you don't offend them or piss them off in a changing market is an art form. I promise you, you need to learn it if you want to stay relevant. I'll give you guys a little snippet of that. Never say lower your price to a seller. It doesn't matter what phase we're in in the real estate reset. Never say lower your price. Would you want me to tell you if I was your listing agent, you are a seller, Mr. Seller, you need to lower your price? That's almost personally offensive. You're, you're going to, you know, it's put your dukes up time, sharpen your teeth, let's go to battle. I don't like, because you feel like I'm trying to take money from you. Because in essence, I am. Well, the market is, right? So this is what you need to say, Mr. Seller. Listen, after every two weeks or 10 showings, if we don't have a written verified offer in your property, we need to, we need to reposition the house in the market so that we correctly reflect the market's expectation. That's it. You see, I said the same thing, but I said it in a non-confrontational way. All of our scripts are designed to basically make it so that you have the desired outcome, and you're never put in a position to feel like you're juxtaposed to the seller. You guys are working towards the same goal. You are not in competition for this, with the seller. Again, all of you who do not have these scripts and do not have these talents developed yet, if you do not make this happen, when you're looking back at the beginning of next, you know, the March, uh, beginning of March of 2019, and you're looking back, I promise you, you're going to wish you would have developed these skills. If you've been using a winget listing presentation or everything you've been doing, all the wording and the phrasing on all of your, you know, public-facing marketing, if it's all essentially geared around a seller's market, everything you're doing is obsolete, and everything you're doing is needs to be questioned. And so as we round the bend on today's show, and Julie, do you need to get to Premier Coaching? Do. I do. I will leave okay. it with you. Yes. As we round the bend on today's show, here's the, here's the challenge I have for all of you guys. And I know this is a little offensive, but you know what? I only have you for 30 minutes a day, so sometimes it takes to be offensive in order to get your attention. I want you to assume that everything you're doing is obsolete. Yes, everything you're doing. I want you to challenge yourself and to accept the fact that the way you look, the way you exercise, the way you eat, the way you present, the way you prospect, the way you lead generate, the way you everything, you know, if you're a broker, maybe your brand, everything is obsolete. Seriously, I want you to use your intellect and your brains over the next four months to question whether or not you are geared up for shifting, let alone a buyer's market. Are you? You're not. You know you're not. 
Maybe some of the things you're doing are great. They'll transfer perfectly. But for the most part, every approach you're taking or have taken since the boom started in 2011, all those strategies and techniques, buying leads, building businesses based on buyer agent production, doing all this other stuff, all that stuff's obsolete in a shifting market, let alone a buyer's market. It's just a fact, guys. You cannot ex- you're running such low margins now in your real estate teams and your brokerages, and you're buying leads, and that's one of the reasons that you're basically running low margins. And I realize that many of you have no clue what to do in a shifting market, let alone a seller's or let alone a buyer's market. I get that. I understand. That's the reason that many of you need to request a free coaching call. And I'll throw this out there. For those of you who have larger real estate practices, be it teams or brokerages, if you want to communicate with Julie and I directly, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. And you can schedule a call. We'll coordinate with um, Tom, and you guys can uh, speak directly with us. But please do not wait, because if you wait – oh, hold on, Tim. It's not going to happen in my – it is. It is going to happen in your market. Hold on, my shit's so together, you can't believe it. I have such a tight system. This system's based on the, you know, this book, and I've read this thing, and I went to this conference. Trust me when I tell you, if, you're do, if what worked in the, in the seller's market does not work in a buyer's market, let alone a shifting market, so get your head out of your rump and accept the fact that you need to be a business person, be a mature entrepreneur, and don't wait for the storm clouds to be upon you. Don't wait for the zombies to be knocking at your back door before you're actually going to take action on this information. This is your opportunity to get ahead of the shift. And if you're in New York City, well, if you didn't listen to us telling you the same thing two years ago, guess what? You waited too long. And the same shift is happening in a meaningful way across the country. I don't need Diana Olek on CNBC to come out six months from now and telling me the market's changed. I don't need some economic person 60 to 90 days telling me what's happening in my life right today. Nor do you. You already know because you're the one that's on the front line. You are a boots-on-the-ground soldier. You are communicating with, the, with, uh, you know, with, with buyers and sellers, fellow practitioners, people in the industry. They will tell you what they're experiencing. Don't wait to validate what you already know to be true based on your own personal experience. You'll regret it. Am I, making, am, am I getting through to all of you? Well, so why, do I, why am I doing this? Why are Julie and I saying what we're saying? Oh, because you're trying to sell us something. Am I? What am I trying to sell you? What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to save you from the pain that happened to literally hundreds of thousands of agents in the last real estate correction. I'm trying to save you from destroying what you've created or what you're trying to create and, and basically the real estate reset. I'm trying to make it so that whatever happens in the economy and housing, whether it's up, down, sideways, doesn't matter to you because you're equipped, you're ready for any shifts that happen. A lot of you don't realize that you're not because you're in this confirmation bias realm. You're around people that are telling you the same thing, who are doing the same thing. But you've not stopped to ask yourself, why is it that nobody talks about profit? Why is it that nobody essentially talks about what happens when this happens or the other thing happens? I'll tell you why. Because they don't know. Because they've not experienced it. If they were not in the business starting in about 2003, where they went through the same cycle that we're starting to experience again now, you need to seriously think about, remember I said, essentially assume that everything you've been doing since, during, since 2011 is obsolete. Maybe the people you're getting your information from are obsolete. Even worse is maybe the people you're getting your information from are obsolete because they don't know better or they do know better. They just don't want to tell you 
because they want you to continue to basically perpetuate the model that's been financially benefiting them since 2011. I'm talking about leads companies. I'm talking about technology companies. I'm talking about all these types of models which are going to prove themselves to be obsolete during a shifting market. Guys, pay attention to what I'm telling you. 137,000 of you listened yesterday, probably the same number, if more, not more today. You're going to see what I'm telling you is true as more people start. Look, there's been, what, two articles on Inman in the last week that are essentially mirroring what we told you guys how many months ago, right? Why don't people in the industry tell you these things faster? Because they have a financial interest in not telling you faster. Because they don't have a plan B product. Because they themselves don't have a plan B for their business models. Don't get sucked under. Be your own best guru. Be your own best expert. Learn from, <laughs> learn from my experience. I mean, Julie and I told you a story of what happened when I was lazy and I didn't follow up with leads. Don't be that, don't be that agent, right? <laughs> so if you need it for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Um, or if you'd like a free coaching call, just go to FreeCoachingCallsForAgents.com. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. Remember, guys, you can listen to us anytime live every day at this time, or you can just go to iTunes, you can go to Stitcher, or you can go to TimAndJulieHarris.com and click on Podcasts. 2,000 maybe plus shows up there now. Number one, listen to daily podcast for agents. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, Thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.